Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. Today on the Ether, reflexive stablecoins, the history and vision of Silk with Shade Protocol. Let's take a listen. Morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. Morning, Mo. Thanks for being here. Also, for everybody wondering why it's not Daltz hosting, he is out of town for a couple weeks. So it's Fisco behind the Shade Protocol microphone today. Hey, Carter, let's pull you up here. There we go, Mo. Carter, you should be good to speak. Hey, Carter. It's going to be a fun one, Muhammad. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever sat down and told the story. I don't think so. I don't think we've been on like a live podcast with like uh, a on it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go way back. Yeah, we'll give it a couple more minutes for people to keep filing in, but I think it should be a interesting conversation as well. I don't know if I've, even ever heard the full strung together story of of Silk's origin. Pieces pieces here and there. Yeah, definitely had some some twists and turns. Um it's it's fun too, because in hindsight there there was like blessing in disguise that the vision was so big because it, it gave us time to really think through the minutiae that really could have gone wrong. Um so yeah, we'll we'll have to go all the way back to really January of Yeah. That's two years ago yeah. now. That's crazy. Ugh, almost two years ago. We're getting there. Yeah. Well January twenty twenty one I think is when everything really started kicking off for us on really designing, building out silk and shade, uh making sure that, you know, the the economics were working and then we would start getting a team around it as well. It's definitely uh, a very, very fruitful journey so far. Yeah, we'll have to talk about the other apps we were planning on building before Silk became the the, the big one. Because that's kind of a, that's a funny little like Easter egg. Um, I know. <laughs> I remember that, sorry. Oh, that was like a brainstorming session we had for like almost three months in a stretch. Yep, yep. A lot of small things that came together to make to make Silk the well-positioned stable that it is now. It's a it's a wild story, but I think we'll wait until eleven oh five here, and then we'll get going. And maybe Carter and Mo, you can kick us off with what you were doing before you met, what your crypto introduction was with it for a couple minutes, and then jump right into the Genesis story of Silk. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I feel like I've given my intro to this space so many times i feel bad for for people that you know have to listen multiple times so i'll keep mine pretty short today but muhammad i think like feel free to speak at length about your story in the space because i think it's i think it's super interesting and probably hasn't been circulated as much yeah 100 percent. well all right everybody it's 1105 thank you all for for being here for our weekly twitter space 
reflexive stable coins, we're calling it the history and vision of silk. So we'll we'll take some time. We'll get a small intro to Carter and Mo, where they came from, where silk came from, and the whole the whole genesis story behind a little bit of shared protocol and mostly focusing on how silk became the extremely well positioned stable coin that it is today. So thanks again for you guys being here. Carter, Mo, I'll pass it off to you if you guys want to kick us off on the history of silk. Yeah, I'll I'll be pretty brief. Uh, I was in university in 2017, um, had a pretty uh, boring, uh, I was leading an IT job at the university, had a lot of extra time on my hands and started researching all things crypto. I had a cousin like link me a bunch of resources in early 2017. And I pretty much just started spending all of my time obsessively researching the space at the cost of many other things. Started having all these different, you know, I had like 60 pages of notes on crypto and I read every single book I could find. And most of the books were terribly written. And at, you know, 60 pages of notes, I was like, I think I might be writing a book right now. So that kicked off, you know, a three year, a three year journey of writing, building confidence in blockchain. And in 2017, during that research, realized that blockchain was completely transparent. And I found this, this project known as Enigma, which was this Ethereum project trying to bring you know, privacy to smart contracts, uh, you know, read Guy Ziskin's white paper, uh, you know, started watching Tor Bear videos and just got completely kind of sucked into the, the vision of Enigma, joined the ambassador program, which ironically enough, me and Mohammed probably crossed paths in the ambassador program without even really knowing it way back in the day and started contributing on the forums, gave, gave some feedback on some of the uh, mechanics and distribution. There's some like really old stuff out there. And then, you know, Enigma eventually transitioned into becoming Seeker Network. And it was during that transition where I met Muhammad, uh, spun up the software development company. And along the journey, I worked for the, the Secret Foundation, worked as the education lead um, for the education committee on Secret Network, and eventually was able to make the jump uh, full time to to shade protocol. So that's that's a bit of the the backstory on myself. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's quite a journey, Carter. There as well. I remember. I think I got into crypto around the same time you did. Actually, 2016, 2017. Um, the first time was like I think uh, it was more on the investment side. Obviously, at the beginning because the hype for crypto was just growing on me. Uh, a lot of uh, word of mouth around the corner. Not to mention that. Uh, I think the key aspect that really got me into crypto was the aspect of sending money across, like, you know, uh, without using a bank as an intermediary, right? Like, we, we always have to use banks if you had to send money, but crypto was, like, the only space that you could send value across without anything. And that's that's what really sparked the interest in cryptocurrency at the beginning of uh, late 2016, I believe, yeah, around that time. And then I got into investment a little bit because I found this technology to be pretty useful. Uh, obviously, there was like a bull run at that point, uh, and then all of that stuff happened. And then I was like, no, nope, I want to like do continue being in the crypto space. Despite, uh, you know, once the bear came around, I was like, oh, I'll go into mining. And that's when I think, um, the whole proof of work and proof of stake came into context for me, really. Um, so I was just researching projects at that time, and I joined the Enigma just like you did, uh, you know, the Enigma group, and like, you know, basically started like um, uh, meeting the Enigma, you know, see, uh, 
like pretty much the vision there Enigma was throwing was privacy on a blockchain, which was huge. And they had done some research at that point to like really back that up. So that is why I joined Enigma. And um, yeah, like I remember the ambassador program as well. I was part of it. Um, I don't think we then, or maybe we did. I don't know. I don't remember anyone on top of that. But it was a pretty exciting times. I met Kaur from the Secret Foundation at that point as well. Uh, when he come down to eat Waterloo, uh, when he hosted an event here, so that was I think the first time I went hands on with the blockchain community. So it was pretty exciting stuff. Uh, really got me deep into blockchain, really. And I think that was around the time in 2019, I was really, you know, exploring entrepreneurship since I was in university. I was just like, you know, I'd started a previous business, I had done that, and then I'm like, you know, no, I want to combine my passion and like, you know, what I like in cryptocurrency, the vision I see with actually doing um, um actual projects. So uh, I think that's where, like, in 2020, I was like, yep, let's bootstrap what we are working on. Uh, let's do this. I was gathering some experience out there as well, uh, working in different, like, uh, you know, dev roles around the corner, but doing, like, you know, the cryptocurrency hustle that's, that's, that's been running for a while. And then I think 2021, uh, we came around, we're like, you know, we want to, like, uh, do a project that was, like, uh, it's going to be huge. And I think this is where we have landed uh, so far, like, you know, building out Shape Protocol, building out Silk, and uh, the pretty cool peeps. <laughs> Hey, awesome. Thanks, guys, for that for that background on yourselves there. Um, now I would like to direct the conversation to Silk and Shade Protocol specifically. I know both of you worked on a couple other applications or kind of ideated in that area for a bit before you landed on Silk and Shade. If you could speak to where where that kind of genesis of the idea came from, that would be great. Yeah, Mo, maybe you want to talk about Secret secret bazaar and then i can talk about about the mirror protocol side of thing yeah i remember that like i think at the beginning when we were bootstrapping a project we we were thinking about like you know bringing privacy technology forward that was our initial vision really like you know to bring uh, what secret network had built uh, the technology that was used to like to the world and using blockchain technology to build services on top of so uh, I think our initial and first idea was really like, you know, how do we do this like payment system, uh, like, you know, like a verified documents kind of set up. So like, you know, um, you have DocuSign, but on a blockchain. That was, that was an interesting idea. And then we were like, you know, we'll make that into a bazaar where we have like different type of services on like, you know, uh, the blockchain provided by Secret Network. Uh, that was our initial goal really to build all these toolings and services on like you know one platform one come shop kind of thing that we were thinking of and that was like an initial bootstrapping idea really uh, but we further did further research talked to a lot of contributors and we, we we expanded our vision and the scope and we saw that there was more to the market and then we came across other protocols and i think probably you should talk about the mirror protocol research we did here as well yeah so yeah secret bazaar was like can we cross secret network with ocean protocol and it would essentially be like a date encrypted data uh, marketplace where people could sell sell data. But the the more we looked into it, the more complex things became because Secret Network really isn't designed to be a storage layer. Um, it's really designed to be an encryption layer. And so actually, I think Jackal ironically really ended up being the kind of fulfilling the vision that we maybe originally had before we pivoted. And so 
we ended up pivoting away from the encrypted data storage side of things, primarily because of like the product market fit. Like the whole the whole data storage side of things is still somewhat of a somewhat of a question mark. And I think we even like proposed a grant that was kind of like uh, this didn't seem like how high value enough. So from there, it was like, all right, we're gonna pivot full blown to the the DeFi side of things, which I'd always been a, a huge like DeFi fan since 2017, MakerDAO, stablecoins, et cetera, et cetera. But the, actually the the vision of Shape Protocol actually started with synthetic assets before it was ever a stablecoin in many ways. Um, we pretty much said, could we bring synthetic assets to the secret network? And so we started researching Mirror Protocol. Um, and most people who've looked at our GitHub repo will actually know this. And people have actually called us out as being scammers um, for this, but we're not scammers. Essentially, we forked Mirror Protocol way back in the beginning. Like the repo is actually a fork of Mirror Protocol's repo. Um, it ended all of that code ended up getting deleted, but that artifact from the history of Shape Protocol beginning as something that was inspired by synthetic assets. And so at the time, we started looking into Mirror Protocol's product and started to realize that there was a lot of like inefficiencies with the over collateralized model. Um, and as we, you know, dug into this, we kind of had this idea of like, wait a second, could we use the seniorage mechanism that Terra had been using for UST? Could we use that for synthetic assets and make a drastically more capital efficient system? Um, in hindsight, that theory looks obviously very, very dangerous. In the moment, it felt brilliant because no one else had been, had, you know, like kind of bridged the gap there and been like, can we apply the burn mint model to assets that aren't stable coins. So, Mohammed, I'll let you jump in here. But I remember, like, that was kind of like the initial starting point with synthetic assets that are more capital efficient by applying Terra's model to non-stable coin assets. Yeah. So we really researched into like how to bridge that synthetic um, uh, gap, really, because even to that, synthetic assets, especially that are not cryptocurrencies, have like very less. Uh, uh, you know, uh, accessibility is my key part, really, because uh, the way to maintain the synthetic assets was to collateralize positions, and um, at that point, it made it made more perspective from security, but not from a reflexive standpoint. And we wanted to redesign that. So, like Carter mentioned, we like thought about like in, implementing the Terra model, uh, although it looks very lucrative at that point to us, and we we really sold that vision at that early aspect of uh, um, uh, the stability mechanism that you know synthetic assets would bring to the table. I think uh, we all know that like you know there is something we have to learn and go from. So we we decided to move on from even that reflective, fully reflective model and context. But again, uh, reverting back to the history there, there uh, I think one of the things that we came around when we were building out the synthetic model at that point was um, how do we tie this to like a, a stable coin really, right? Like we need people to have access to these synthetics. We need like an entry point and the entry point really grew to be the stable coin circle that we were still thinking and designing at that point. Uh, so we thought that, okay, now that we have like a concrete entry point for all of these synthetics, we can like, you know, focus on the stablecoin itself because now the stablecoin will be the entry point towards a basket of different types of pools 
accesses, utilities, uh, you know, we were thinking about synthetic crypto indexes, which we haven't still got, which we have not thrown the idea out of the table yet, but there is definitely uh, opportunities, but like the crypto space, especially on secret network, needed access through a privacy coin. And like uh, the only way that was access to that was to a stable coin. So we decided to build this privacy stable coin. So we did this initial design scope, we even like modeled some of self mechanisms based on Terra Luna models, just because it was so lucrative at that point, right? And uh, it was a good competitor to us at that initial step. Uh, initial setup time, I believe. But like, I think we, we did a lot of research for on that front as well at that point. I remember like, we were not thinking of like, you know, just copying the model altogether. I remember we brainstormed and I think at one point we were like, you know, what do we peg this currency to since we wanted to be, uh, you know, a moving peg really. And then I think we came up with GYD, uh, like a global yield derivation, which is like the basket of global currencies at that point. We thought this would be a super thing that we could uh, move towards and we were documenting that stuff. And I had like a couple of brainstorming sessions that came back to me and it's like, Mama, I have something super cool. Let's look at this. And I think that's a shade, shade white paper came out to be, right? Uh, that was super, super interesting aspect to how we went about uh, really building think, the stable fund. I do think it's cool too how like, because the entry point was synthetic assets, I think the original core contributors were like much more inclined to be creative with composition because synthetic assets by definition have like all this flexibility with like what they're tracking. And so because, you know, UST was this massive Cosmo stable coin and pretty much everyone was saying, you know, there's no way you can compete with UST. It like really forced us to differentiate ourselves from, you know, the nearest most powerful stable coin. And so the differentiators were like, Hey, we have privacy and we're not going to be pegged to the dollar. We're going to have this basket of global currencies and commodities, which was inherited from, you know, the synthetics idea. And not only would we have this basket, but it would be capable of evolving, evolving over time. And then there was, we even took it a step further, you know, once we kind of decided on, Hey, we have this vision for like really unique differentiation. We then started thinking about ways that we could make shade protocol more sustainable than Terra because one of the biggest criticisms that existed in the original white paper was, you know, they have all these other apps launching on top of UST and Luna, but there's no, there's no revenue streams to Luna stakers other than UST, you know, being minted out and Luna gets burned. That was like the only kind of value accrual mechanism. I mean, there was some transaction related stuff, but it was like, wait a second, what if we recreated the Terra Luna model but then every single app that gets launched on Shape Protocol, every single key DeFi primitive was able to point the revenue stream back to Shade Stakers. This would create a stronger hypothetical floor of value than what Terra, Terra had. Um, and then we built on top of that idea with like, can we add in, you know, an additional stability mechanism with uh, Sky Arbitrage? Can we, can we improve on Terra's model for providing stability, stability to the peg? And so, like, I think it's going to be really interesting in hindsight as, like, historically, um, we would not be the project we were today if we weren't competing with, you know, this massive competitor that was like a $50 billion protocol, right? Like, this is just a, a bunch of group of devs all over the world and economists saying, like, how in the world do you differentiate against someone 
that already has all of the adoption on paper. They've done, they've done everything right. They're, they're the trailblazer. What does it mean to come along second and differentiate yourselves? And I think that was the greatest blessing that we were forced to make ourselves so differentiated because it slowed us down. <laughs> it slowed us down enough that, you know, Terra ended up, Terra ended up collapsing and we got to rebuild the economic model. Um, it slowed us down enough that we're seeing regulators are coming after, you know, dollar derivative stable coins in a really big way. And suddenly Silk is, it's really learned not only its stability lesson, but also its its legal positioning lesson. And and it, it all started with, you know, that vision for synthetics and that vision for differentiation in a way that was more than just privacy. Yeah, thanks, Carter, for that. Um, obviously, we're super uniquely positioned with Silk as it being a composite stablecoin uh, within, within our ecosystem, also having it supported by revenue from all of the other applications that are built in the tech stack. Um, rewinding a little bit to the composite nature of the stablecoin and the regulatory um, status of that that you mentioned, could you f- focus a little bit on how that uniquely positions Silk outside of other stablecoins um, and the lack of regulatory risk that it offers? Yeah, so in essence, whenever what we're seeing, you know, in 2022 and 2023 is if you peg yourself to a sovereign currency like the dollar or the euro, those governments are going to want you to exist within a regulatory framework. You know, the first last, you know, five, six years of DeFi has been this wild west of innovation and discovery and building. But now it seems like the pulse of regulation is starting to be heard and be felt by these crypto projects. And because Silk isn't pegged to a sovereign currency, there's way less of an argument for it to be heavily, heavily regulated. And so um, because Silk has an ability to evolve its, its basket over time, if something like the U.S. government came to Silk and said, hey, like, you know, the dollar is attached to you. Silk governance could be like, give me two weeks, right? And then in two weeks, boom, the dollar is removed from the basket, right? And that's, that's a level of regulatory flexibility to be able to kind of fluidly move around the composition of the stable coin in a way that reacts to global forces that no other stable coin has. I just simply have not seen anyone with that type of long-term basket composition governance able to evolve it. And that's going to allow us to really fluidly react in 2023, 2024, as the, the, the legal domain around sovereign peg stable coins becomes much, much tighter. Now, this isn't, this isn't a guarantee, right? These are, these are predictions. So I, I very well could be wrong. Um, but from the, the folks that we have talked to, we're setting ourselves up really well, which is, is going to be huge for us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've really found Shade Protocol to be uniquely positioned after reacting to a lot of, a lot of um, outside situations that we, that we wouldn't have predicted, but has really allowed us to evolve what Shade Protocol is, what Silk is, into something that's fitting into all of all of the different frameworks that are required of stablecoins and of DeFi ecosystems. So I think in the future we we're at a really exciting place where we have a lot of momentum moving forward. 
And as we begin to launch products here, we're really, we're really going to start pushing into that, into that new level of adoption. I wonder, Carter and Mo, if you could talk a little bit on what you see the future of Silk and Shade Protocol adoption looking like. I'll let Mohammed take this one. Um, yeah, this is like, a, I think, Carter, uh, we have, we always talked about Silk in a context where we wanted to be available in our daily lives, right? Like we, we wanted to be able to go, I know, have the ability that in, in, in a, if you go to any coffee shop or, you know, go to Starbucks, you can go ahead and like, you know, just uh, use Silk as a source of payment. And that's, that's like our end goal vision really to bring Silk to uh, really the hands of, you know, um, users, end users, right? You don't have to really worry about the, the mechanisms that happen in the background. That's more for the core people. That's more for the people in the governance and the DAOs to figure out and worry about. But, you know, after the end user, it's more about the usability of like, oh, I just want to go and like, you know, buy something. I should be able to do that with any stable coin. And that's where Silk really wants to go to. So with respect to Silk, that's like really, really the end goal. Um, I would say... Obviously, Silk, uh, by its nature, is more of a, a, a basket. It's tied to a basket of global currency, so it builds like global stability. So even if you don't want to really use it for a cup of coffee, you could use it as a very good hedge against like uh, global economies, right? So you are invested in Silk because you want to hold value over the long term. So that's like a very, very bigger, uh, very big use case. Uh, when uh, when you talk about investors, when you talk about like you know hedges, when you talk about uh, you know uh, a bet against uh, inflation, uh, you know, so there's a lot of uh, smaller and bigger visions where self could tap into. Just uh, as a whole, right? Uh, but like again, the, the the core concept comes down to like you know is so stable enough? Is uh, is the stability mechanism gonna hold strong enough? Um, and that's what we are building towards right now. So we want to make sure it's stable, it's regulated. Um, you know, we're not trying to break any regulations here. As long as like the regulations are fair for the DeFi space, I think that's that's where we want to head towards. And I think that's where the shade DAO will also really push towards. In my opinion, um, I'm just one person in the shade DAO, right? Like, yeah, uh, even uh, even the wider shade community might have. A bigger vision, a bigger goal to where Shade DAO could really take itself to. You know, uh, where do we want? Do we want it to be integrated with governments? Do we want it to be, you know, working alongside governments? There are many spaces Silk could apply to. And I think that's where the long term vision of Silk really comes into. Yeah, and on the Shade protocol side, separate from Silk, I think for me, the, the vision has evolved a little bit over time on what I picture for that. And credit to, Credit to Ranger, Ranger, Ranger on this front. Um, I think that Shade Protocol has the potential to be the liquidity hub for privacy preserving DeFi. And like, I think that if we launch, I think like the end vision for me for Shade Protocol side would be we launch every single key financial primitive. And so that anyone all over the world can privately have access to financial applications and financial instruments that they don't have access to in their normal everyday lives. But because they have an internet connection, the, the doors are open to this privacy preserving 
uh, hub of applications. And there's no there's no limit to how rich that offering can be, like the the breadth of applications that can be built out over time. Obviously, initially we're targeting the core financial primitives, lending, stable coins, exchanges, options, derivatives, et cetera, et cetera. But I definitely foresee, you know, in the next five, 10 years that, it, that we could see an explosion from, you know, five apps to, you know, a hundred shade protocol apps. And it's all going to depend on the adoption and the revenue that's generated and how that revenue gets, you know, re-put to use for, for more building. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about, you know, on uh, bank banking for the uh, folks that don't have access to banking and, and, and while simultaneously protecting people's sovereignty. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you have that, that privacy. So that's the other, other side of the coin If silks, one side of the coin and shades, shades, the other. Yeah. Thank you so much. Both really, it really fits into the shade shade protocol vision of, being being widely adopted and increasing accessibility and allowing allowing privacy to be something that is what we see it as of being a right to to DeFi users. Um, at this point, I'm gonna open it up. We've had half an hour of history and vision of Silk. If there's any questions that the community has around around Silk, its peg, its composition, its history, its utility, now would be the time. You can just raise your hand here or request to speak, and I'll. I'll bring you up as a speaker one at a time if anyone's interested in asking questions. While we're waiting on that, Carter and Mo, if there's anything else you want to bring up around around Shade Protocol or Silk in general, feel free to talk. I think it's just a reflection that it's, you know, as a, as a builder, you don't get time to like slow down and think about the twists and turns because in many ways, when you're in the middle of it, everything feels linear, right? Like you're all, you always feel like the next decision is, is obvious. But then you look back and there's all these zigzags in Shade Protocol's history. But those those zigs and those zags are what have brought us where we are today and like really differentiate Silk. And I think there's something to be said about giving really good ideas the time to mature and be challenged. If we we could have launched Silk a very, very, very simple version of silk with you know no basket no over collateralization we, we could have launched just a very simple stable coin last year probably in like september um if I we remember, were to, i remember yeah. Curtis, that was our internal timeline that we're going to launch in like you know go live in like uh, end of q4 of 2021 yeah. But like here we are in Q3 of 2022 and still not live. It's like, but in retrospect, it was a good decision because we had to redesign so many things. Yeah. Um, not to mention, you know, we learned from other um, other networks, and uh, I think the bear market is a perfect place to build, anyways. Yeah. Well, I think that's like we're there's always this pressure for very new projects and new builders go to market as fast as possible and that's that's like that can be a healthy pressure but in this space it's like there's so many moving pieces and there's so much competition that if you're not building for sustainability and scalability then just like getting out into the market doesn't get the job done i mean i think terra is an example of that you know they're 50 billion dollar protocol 
first to market really on the algo side or one of the first to market. But if you don't build with the sustain, like the, the true sustainability in mind, then it doesn't matter how big your lead is. So it's like secure systems and sustainable systems and patience are extremely powerful forces in a space that don't have any patience. And I think we kind of, I think we kind of tripped and stumbled our way into patience, to be honest, but I'm really glad, I'm really glad it played out the way it did. And that the early parts of the journey with synthetics and the, the data place, all of those things kind of informed our view on privacy and on what Silk could be. So it's just, it's a cool reflection. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both for, for taking the time to jump on here and speak today and give us some history. Thank you to everyone else for jumping on, listening to the history of Silk and getting a little bit more context as to where we're, where we're at today. It was a lot of zigging and zagging, like, like Carter says, but I think where we've arrived is an awesome place for Silk to be sitting and for Shade Protocol to be sitting. And we're really well positioned um, in a lot of ways. So we're all, we're all grateful and excited for that. Uh, thanks again for jumping on here, everybody. Thanks, Carter, and thanks, Mo, for speaking. Have a great day. Happy building. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Shade Protocol, Reflexive Stable Coins, The History and Vision of Silk. Recorded on Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two
Spaces.